Hey listeners, this is Brian Moriarty, co-host of both Nerds on Film and Nerds on History. If you like the History Podcast, you know, do us a favor. We've got another great podcast on our channel called Nerds on Film. If you like listening to everyday people just talk to no end about films and film issues from both fandom and the film industry, check us out, please. You can go to nerdonomy.com to the podcast page and subscribe to us straight from there. Give us a listen. Sound check. Check one, check, check two. Good. Hey, Brian, you heard that uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth uh, is retiring. Yeah, of course. Know. It's pretty big news. Absolutely. This might be your big chance. For what? Uh, any Catholic can become Pope, so no. you should be, yes, no. you should become Pope. No, you have to be a bishop to become Pope. Okay, but they can just make you a bishop and you can become the Pope. They have to make me a priest first and they have to make me a deacon oh, before that. It's, it's a just, cold it's... open! Can I be Pope? No! Welcome to Nerds on History. I'm Brian Moriarty. And I am Eric Bricklont. Brian, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know what I said in the cold open? Yeah. I mean it. You think? I think you should become Pope. Brian for Pope? Uh, you know, it... Why not? One, we don't, we've never had an American Pope, so that would be huge. Two, you're the most Catholic person that I know, yeah. so that instantly qualifies you in my mind. And three, it's true, any Catholic can become Pope. Yeah, the funny thing is, I'm really, I'm not all that Catholic. Like, as far as, like, the Orthodox Catholics are considered, like, the ones who are devout and they follow every single teaching the church gives, I'm really not that Catholic. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I, they would be considering me an apostate at the very least, or a heretic. But, um... Apostate Pope. Yeah. Who would have be, ever thought? Yeah. And that would make things not so great for a lot of the other Catholics. I'll tell you, though, if I was going to be Pope, and, you know, you get to choose your papal name, um, I think Spock the First would would be epic no i wouldn't go with spock i i wouldn't go with spock now now if i were to become pope i wouldn't okay so for you it would be bruce the first or no um, no no usually name another, usually, name? usually now you name after a saint or you name after a, a previous pope in this case okay is Leonard nimoy dead no okay so we have to wait till he's dead and then <laughs> he's we jewish can... too so i don't, ah, I don't think it's it not gonna it work come. all right fine. yeah all right fine no no spock the first then very well uh hey brian yeah guess what what we're not alone are we no we're not alone yay no you are not alone yay hey guys i'm back so you're you were baptized catholic yep eric i consider myself a catholic even though i'm a dissenter yep for many things but still at my heart a believer and sarah you were raised catholic too sort of yeah um my mom was definitely raised catholic my dad not so much um and my brother was baptized they never really got around to it for me but i did spend first two years in christian school and um definitely went to church with my grandparents on sunday yeah. well sarah do we have a surprise for you oh, follow us in the bathroom we've got a whole tub full <laughs> there we go um actually no my mom um this is interesting this is why my mom's kind of an interesting catholic in her own right she uh she baptized me herself in the hospital she oh. the same thing for my brother. What she does is she kind of has her own little her own little ritual because it's, you know, our relationship with God and she doesn't feel like the church needs to be okay, so necessarily maybe, directly involved. Maybe I am more Catholic than I, than I let on. So that's what's called a dispensation. Hmm. It's when a sacrament may be enacted by someone who is not a priest under moments of... Uh, of extreme need, though I, don't, I doubt that... No, it wasn't extreme need. No, it was just no. my mom was, but yeah. There are certain times. For example, the crucifix at, at, my, at my mother's house... Um, has holy water in it and instructions for issuing the last rites in the event that a priest is not present so that you can issue the last rites on somebody. Does it kind really? of pull mm-hmm. out of the crucifix and then retract I'm not back joking. into it? The cross, actually, like there's this hidden compartment that slides open and there's a vial of holy water with instructions and a crossbow Wait, in like case a- Dracula comes <laughs> <laughs> Like a James Bond crucifix. Yes, That's this awesome. is a James Bond crucifix. It is the coolest crucifix I've ever seen in my life. Well, it was given to her by Father Q. <laughs> Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> Silly. Um, so, essentially, what you're saying is, between the three of us, we might be Catholic enough to do this episode. <laughs> I think so. Okay. We all have a little piece that I we think provide. So. We're like bit. the Voltron of the Catholic universe. <laughs> we all kind of come together to create I was thinking more Catholic. or less the bad news bears of the Catholic universe. But, <laughs> but, right. Or the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. I like the Mighty Ducks better. We're District 5, and they're all the Hawks. And we're like, all we need is Gordon Bombay. 
Quack. This is not nerds on film, Quack. is it? No, Quack. Quack. No. Quack. I think you folks are in the wrong podcast. Flying V, form the flying V. <laughs> It'd be a flying like, sea in this across, case, wouldn't it? <laughs> this God, there's is, only three of us. This is the, the scrappy underdog story. <laughs> okay. Well, so, folks at home, if you haven't guessed already, what, what our topic is? Yeah, we're 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 gonna do uh, we're gonna do an episode on the papacy. Because yeah. this is actually pretty huge. Yeah. Pope Benedict the Sixteenth resigning. It's not unprecedented. I mean, there I are was a little shocked. Have done I'm, gonna, I'm gonna admit when I heard yeah. saw the news. And a lot of people were because it's been what over 400 years since a pope has done years. this. 600 years was the I last mean, time a pope and has resigned. How long has he been pope? He's only been pope for eight, eight years. years. Yeah, yeah, so that's not very long at all. No, not at all. No. I didn't think you had the option to. I th- well, you know. I am glad you brought that up oh. because it, there was a point Segway. in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First of all. We said her by her first name, but in case anyone does not oh, know, yeah. this is Sarah Ashley, our co-host of Nerds on Film. Hey, guys. Uh, who is sitting in, just because. Just because. F- I'm here because we're going to be recording Nerds on Film right after this, so I just <laughs> I just kind of wanted to hang out. Yeah. So yep. she'll offer commentary, right? And Yeah. I'll, I'll chime in with something. Yeah. Every once in a while. It'll be fun. I'll Otherwise, make, you just kind of chill I'll out. I'll make sure more. it's family friendly. Yeah. Brian, Sarah's here. No one cares why Sarah's here. They're just happy that she's here. Aww. There you go. Oh, I'm just cute. saying. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. Well, high five. Yay. So, in fact, actually, one of the popes to have resigned was, in fact, Pope Saint Celestine the first. Interesting how Pope goes in front of your front. It, it, it's such an important title that it even goes in front of Saint. It's not really? Saint Pope. It yeah. is Pope Saint. Pope Saint Celestine the fifth. I wouldn't think that it were it would work that way in the hierarchy. When you're the successor to Saint Peter, it's a pretty uh, okay. it's a it's a pretty important title. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. so the point is, he, when he resigned, basically there was a bunch of cardinals card like, wait a second, he wasn't the first to resign, but it was like, wait, can a pope? Can you resign? Because he resigned for just no reason, because other popes had very specific reasons to to leave, right? right. Based on he, conflict he or just what have you, couldn't do it anymore, and he decreed as pope. Which a pope can do, of course. He can decree, no, a pope has the right to resign. And St. Celestine lived out his days as a monk, as a, as a hermit. Hmm. So he went way down the totem pole as far because a monk is not, a monk is a lifestyle. A monk is not an official rank within the church necessarily, right? right? A monk is just, it could be a priest as well, but a person who just lives a sequestered life. Existence, yeah. Exactly. Uh, a, maybe a sequestered is not the right word I'm looking for. A sheltered. Uh, a sheltered. By choice. Yeah, that. A life away from the public a cloistered, eye. Cloistered yeah. existence. No, Hermits. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he was the person who determined that, in fact, yes, you can resign. And that was actually back in uh, in the late 13th century. So, Can you imagine how that conversation would have gone? So, uh, folks, i got an announcement for you all. I just want to, just, just to clarify that the Pope can resign. And I'm doing it right now. Goodbye. Peace out. I shall now live as a hermit for the rest of my life, and you will never see me. Goodbye. I will now spend the rest of my days copying down holy texts. Because that's what popes did a lot. (laughs) They wrote a lot. Yeah. Um, However, the last pope to resign was Pope Gregory XII. And that was the one that was in 1417. That's a long time ago. Yes, it is It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. Well, there's a lot of speculation as to why the pope has resigned. Well, there's not really need for speculation, because he kind of said it himself. Yeah, but, you know, let's look at John Paul II. John Paul II was in ailing health. He knew he was in ailing health, but he, he stayed in the position knowing that he would die as pope and that they would select a successor and he would become yeah. the next pope. This is true. Um, so why, if he does know that he's in ill health now, why resign? Well, let's look at the man, right? Now, the pope is a very important figure in the Catholic Church. He is considered a very holy individual, but he is a man, right? So let's look at the real man, Joseph Ratzinger. Before he was Pope, he was the prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, which was renamed in the 1960s from the Office of the Inquisition. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah. The Good choice to rename that one. Yeah, go, yeah. The because the, the Inquisition wasn't actually officially closed until Vatican II, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, it's kind of like this the Korean little, War, you know, yeah. it's kind of still going on, but nobody even, yeah. you know, they, they basically it. just renamed the office because the, the, the function still exists is the enforcement of Catholic doctrine on people to make sure that they're being Catholic enough. Um, they just decided to use a more appropriate name for it. Politically correct, I think, is the terminology. I guess so. Because when you say you're the High Inquisitor, uh, <laughs> it's 
gonna turn some heads. That's a little scary. Especially when you appoint a German as the High Inquisitor. It's not quite it's not quite the the uh, the right message you want to send. Nope, not so much. No, no. So Cardinal Ratzinger resigned, actually. He sent he put in a letter of resignation three times. Hmm. Uh, and Pope John Paul II uh, rejected each resignation. Really? Yeah. Really? He was intending to retire after the Pope died, too. He said the next Pope will over. I'm just going to retire. Because at that point, he was 79 years old, or 78 years old. So he was ready to retire. He was ready to live his life. You know, sl- things were slowing down. And then what happens? Papal Conclave happens. Yeah. He gets chosen. After only four ballots, too. That's actually pretty pretty good. I find that kind of interesting, though. Why would you want to choose somebody to be Pope who, you know, was trying to resign? Well, the other people didn't know that. It oh. was between him and the Pope, you know. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. You, you would think some scuttlebutt would kind of get around, though, and that they would say, oh, really? Yeah. Tried to resign three times? Because that, right. that's a lot. And I mean, that had to go through some steward through someone's hands before it got to the Pope, right? Or sure. is it really that strict where if you write a letter and you seal it to the Pope, no one's going to touch the it? The Vatican's very clandestine. You have to know that. There's lots of whisperings that happen. And I, of course, I don't say that with 100% certainty because I've never been to the Vatican. Yeah. But we know that there's a lot of respect for for privacy uh, as far as the goings on and, and what how the Pope communicates. Yeah. Um, there are serious offenses within the Vatican uh, for anyone who leaks information um, like excommunication, like things like that. It's actually a, you're an excommunicable offense if you leak the, the votings of a papal conclave. Sure. Yeah. Um, wow. So it's it's pretty uh, pretty serious. So anyway, that's just a side note. But think about his position, because when everyone's in a conclave, do you want all that responsibility? Do you want? I mean, some there may be no, but in the dark ages, sure, there may have been a couple power hungry popes who wanted all the power and all the money. But the pope doesn't have that anymore. I mean, he has this cool palace that he lives in, but now his job is just to be. He's not a monarch. Well, he is of a very small. Area of people. Very small country. Exactly. His job is to govern and lead one billion people. Well, he's, he's the moral guidance, right? Exactly. That's, of over a billion Catholics. Yeah. And yeah. arguably of every Christian. But that's obviously very arguable because there are a lot of Christians who disagree with, with the Catholic Church's views. So, do you want that responsibility? Do you want to take over who you can trace back Pope by Pope to St. Peter? If himself? I could be Pope Spock the first, Sure. <laughs> And I don't think Joseph Ratzinger wanted it, but they asked him, do you accept? And he accepted the responsibility nonetheless. Call it an act of faith, if you will. So here's someone who's been called upon to do this. I mean, not only did he try to resign three times and the Pope said no each time, but then the conclave ended up picking him. I mean, he's kind of stuck at this point. He doesn't really have a choice. He's going to become Pope. So maybe he was just waiting for the right time, just ra- waiting for the right time yeah. to say, hey, you know what? I wanted to retire before. I don't have a whole lot of time left on me now. You know, I'm, what, 87, 88 years old? Well, maybe he didn't think he was going to last as long. <laughs> That's the other thing, too. When you see a man who is aged, elected pope, we usually consider them an interim pope. Yeah. Meaning, I mean, it's, he's not an interim pope because, you know, he's going to live the rest of his life. In this case, he resigned. We expect most of our popes to die in office. Um, but we don't expect a lot of things, serious things to change. Um, the one big exception to that was Pope John XXIII, uh, who they was also in an advanced age, but he's the one who called Vatican II forward. And they thought, oh, he's not going to do anything big. Oops, <laughs> we're going to reevaluate the entire the entire religion and update it for the 21st century, wow. before the 21st century yeah. happens. That's when we started having Mass in English. That's when we started seeing altar girls. That's when we started seeing some very progressive changes for yeah. the better. So it's a really big deal when this kind of thing happens. And I don't blame him, to be honest. I mean, he said himself, he's physically, mentally, and spiritually can't do it anymore. I don't think he could shoulder the responsibility. That's just my opinion. But He's just tired, poor yeah. guy. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of weight to have on your shoulders. Sure. Leading one billion people. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for the guy, to be honest. Well, maybe you'll finally get that uh, vacation in the... Uh in Bavaria that he's been wanting for a long time. That's true, yeah. His brother's a priest, and he mm-hmm. told... The sad story is that he told his brother that they were going to do a vacation in the summer of 2005. Then he got elected Pope. Oh, no. So he had to cancel that, right? That's There's awesome. actually a... Uh, I, don't, I think it's called the Hall of Tears in the Apostolic Palace. Mm-hmm. That after the Pope has been given the vestments and it's been, for lack of a better word, officialized, it's where he goes to pray and be quiet before they announce... It's the world, and they call it the Hall of Tears because it's he weeps for the end of his of his private life, you know, because yeah. it goes away after that point. Right, you're, you're now the servant of the world. That's a huge responsibility. Yeah, 
That's huge. Yeah, we don't think about that very much. We think we just see the white cassock and, you know... The The mobile. The mobile, And we see all these kind of very obscure and bizarre practices. We don't think about the full weight of that that position. How would you like to be a teenager and elected pope? Because it's happened once. (laughs) Yeah, it did happen once. Yeah, John the 12th. Yeah. John the 12th was was 12 years old, wasn't he? I don't know. He he was was 17. Yeah, he was just a, he was just a teenager. I yeah. would not want an angsty teen being my spiritual guide. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is of course during the uh, also another German pope, just for uh, factoid's yeah. sake. Mm-hmm. Well, this is also at a point in time where basically you can be made a cardinal like that. This is a point in time where being an appointed cardinal didn't necessarily mean you had to be a bishop, which is what the case is now. There's a rule in the church that you must be a card a bishop to be a cardinal, and if you did, they would just if there were any ordinations that were required, they would just give them to you. <laughs> Mm. You know, at the same day, cross sign, mm. now you're a priest. Cross sign again, okay, now you're a bishop. Okay, cool, here's a red hat. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Do you guys both know the importance of a cardinal in the church? Well, for our listeners who are not Catholic, and for me who don't know, um, why don't we start from the lowest and work our way up? The ecclesiastical ranks? Yeah, cool. let's just try to talk about the ranks and, and what they mean and kind of what their role is in the church. Sure, okay, so if you decide that you have a calling... Not decide if you if you have the divine calling to serve the church uh, to serve God. Um, you the first step is you enter the seminary. After this is usually a, at the graduate level, so you it's very rarely now that there were there used to be programs where you could go straight in from high school after high school, but now you, they prefer you have at least a bachelor's degree before you enter hmm. uh, a seminary. But you enter the seminary and uh, you do your studies, and essentially you get what's the equivalent of a master's degree in theology. Um, but the payoff is you also are ordained a deacon during that process. And a deacon is a role in the church that's meant to help assist a priest in a parish. They can deliver the liturgy of the word, so they can, they can you know, proclaim the gospel, they can even proclaim the homily, but they cannot proclaim the liturgy of the Eucharist as for, as for a priest and above to do. Are um, they allowed to get married, all that stuff? You can if you are a deacon for life. Okay. If you are a deacon who is preparing to become a priest, no. The no. Yeah, that right, makes sense. Clearly. Yeah. Um, if you are a deacon who is deacon for life and your wife passes away, then, of course, you can make the option to, to become a priest at okay. that point as well. There's mm. been plenty of deacons or, who have become priests who have done that. Uh, Father Pasolacqua at my, my old parish was the only priest I ever knew who had grandchildren because he mm. was a deacon, a life deacon for many, many years. That being said, the next rank up is, of course, priest, the most common what we see now is usually the most common rank because there's not many deacons around anymore, at least not in the United States. Um, and then that gives you full sacramental rights, right? Uh, at that point, you... Oh, I did forget to mention, deacons can baptize and perform marriages as oh, well. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. And they can perform funerals too. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So the when, when you become a priest, then of course you have full sacramental rights. You, of course, can offer confession. Um, the big one is that you have the ability to transubstantiate the bread and wine to the body and blood of Christ at Mass. And then we get to bishop. Bishops are important because every single bishop is approved by the Pope himself. Uh, it goes to Rome, it gets his seal of approval. There's a review process that goes undergoes. Well, there's a review process for becoming a priest now, too, but... And they can also move diagonally, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they move diagonally, yes. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking of that Monte Python skit, The Bishop. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So funny. Don't baptize the baby's name. John. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's, a great, it's a great sketch. <laughs> so they go to Rome. Yeah, they go to Rome. They get certified. They get the guests, and then they are consecrated a bishop, which is a big deal. Uh, the Pope himself doesn't have to do it, though, though it's kind of cool if the Pope does. Um, and then that's really where the rank stops, believe it or not. Everything else above that is a political rank hmm. within the church. The Pope is, more importantly, his official title is he's the Bishop of Rome. Correct. Right. Right. So why is Rome so important <laughs> in the church? Peter lived in Rome for a good part of his of his ministry, and it just kind of became the place where a lot of, where whoever Peter's successor was tended to reside. And then, well, that wasn't always the case, of course, but that's why the Bishop of Rome ended up becoming the official, you know, the, the big one. But mostly because it was Peter, not because it was Rome. But from what I've read, that Peter was actually, I mean, he was never considered a pope, right? So the term didn't come about until, until years later. Uh, and those who were serving in the in the role of the Bishop of Rome weren't even called popes. That that's a, that's a much later. It's a, it's term, a retroactive right? title, yes. But nevertheless, each leader of a church in a town is what we consider a bishop, basically. Right. So Paul 
you know, the apostle, some people consider him apostle. In the Catholic Church, Church he's not because you had to have technically seen the risen Jesus before he ascended to heaven to be considered uh, an apostle. He just got there late. Yeah, he got there a little, <laughs> he got there a little late. Paul is... Man, I was stuck behind this yeah. donkey for Certainly 25 minutes. Yeah. Thing yeah. wouldn't move. There was and this jackknife yeah. with this other horse. It was awful. Pretty much all the apostles know when Jesus said, right, go forth and make disciples of all nations. They all separated. They all went out and they, they preached across well, Central Asia. But to them, that was the world, right? Yeah. And they became bishops. Now, they, that's what the church recognizes them as saying. These were all bishops. And that's what the bishop is. You are a successor to any of the apostles. You are continuing gotcha. the work of the apostles. Well, that's pretty important. Um, yeah, it's very important. Hmm. So that's a big deal. And then when you become the archbishop, you're just saying, "Hey, we've got a lot of bishops in this area. You are now managing all these. Everything in the West Coast where we where we podcast from is under the jurisdiction of the Archbishop of San Francisco, hmm. uh, as well as Hawaiians and Alaska. Hmm. And then you have a cardinal is really just a an honorary title, believe it or not, because a cardinal is but a whole new and awesome wardrobe change. I must yes. imagine. Because, so you notice this is a very subtle difference, but Bishops wear a slightly reddish, but mostly magenta mm-hmm. skull cap. And yeah. if they're wearing the old style cassock, it's got the magenta trim. Cardinals go red. Right. right? Cherry Bright red. cherry red. Crimson red. Mm. Um, so which was named first? The bird or the position of the church? The position in the church. So the cardinals... Yeah. Named after... Which means we have a baseball team in America <laughs> named after a position in the Catholic Church. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, Cardinal because but yes. <laughs> Cardinal refers to cardinal numbers, right? Originally, it's 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 supposed to be a symbol of importance. Yeah, right. So that's where the name comes from. And then, of course, the bird looked like cardinal, so that's why they gave it the hmm. the name. You become a cardinal because you have chosen. You are considered a prince of the church. You are considered someone who is devoted enough to the church that you are willing to die for the faith. It is the blood you are willing to to shed. That's what the red represents. And you're also charged with a very important task. You must elect the next pope as well. Hmm. There's only 126 cardinals in the Catholic Church. Mm. I think maybe it might be in, 100, in the 130s now, but I think when Benedict became Pope, there was only about 126. Regardless, it's still not a lot. Yeah. Correct. Um, there used to be a rule that two-thirds majority had to elect the Pope. Uh, pope John Paul II <laughs> reduced that, said no, majority is, <laughs> is fine, after a certain number of ballots. Um, because then these conclaves would just go on for months sometimes. Yeah trying to get enough votes. And that has happened in the past. Yes, it has. Quite to the decry of one the time public. One actually, I think it was over a year, wasn't it? There was one conclave that... Yeah, and there was one point where, I, and I don't remember where in history this is, so I apologize, but I remember hearing that it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks, months possibly, and the people got so upset that they literally locked the conclave in and said, decide, we're not letting you out. Yeah. Until you decide. Oh, my yeah. God. And it still continued on. Yeah. yeah. And so it got to the point where they literally got up on the roof, and they took the roof off and exposed them to the elements. And then we had a pope. Well, there we go. Yeah. Interesting to note, the locking is actually a tradition that's carried on to this day. Mm-hmm. The cardinals are locked in the Sistine Chapel. And then they're let out you know, for lunch. <laughs> and, then let out, and then they're let out for dinner. But they're locked in there and get- said, no you, no, you can't get... Did they get How do they go breaks? to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. You can have a fifteen-minute party break, and then you have to go back and be locked inside. You cannot come out. No, and you have to take you have to take the hall pass to go. <laughs> Who has the, the holy hall pass? <laughs> oh no, no, no I, I think I left it in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I like all the bad Italian accents yeah. happening right now. <laughs> if any, if there are any Italian Americans or Italians out there, I am so sorry. Completely <laughs> <laughs> offended you. And uh, there you have. Uh, a lesson in the political rankings of the Catholic Church. So, well, then, done, so well, then where do saints go in that? Because there's a lot of people who will pray to saints, but I mean... Well, there's a lot of popes that were sainted, or uh, not There's sainted, been a lot of popes but, uh, that were saints, yeah. That yeah. became saints. That, that were honored as saints. And Pope John Paul II is actually very close. He's beatified. He's one step closer to becoming a, a saint. I'll get to that in a second. Because ah. that, that answers the question, well, how do you become a saint in the first place? What mm-hmm. is the importance of saints? Saints are peace, holy people, right? They, when we say the communion of saints in the Catholic Church, you know what we're referring to? No. Every living soul, past, present, and future. That's what we're referring to, the communion mm. of saints. When we're talking to the saints themselves, the, the saints proper, those are people who we re- acknowledge who are who are led holy enough lives that we acknowledge that they are in heaven. They are officially in heaven. They are not in purgatory waiting to go into heaven, certainly to not go to hell. They are in heaven, and they are with God and therefore can also intercede on his behalf in your life. 
Okay. Yeah. This is a deeply spiritual like concept where that once someone dies, they are still present no, metaphysically, and you can pray for them, and they can pray for you. That's why when someone Catholic dies, usually they ask for pray for the pray for the deceased. Is you pray that they enter heaven yeah. quicker. And, well, in many parts of the world, your local saint uh, has prominence over even Jesus. I mean, it is just considered to be so very important and such the focus of so many very careful how you say that. Yeah, yeah, nothing's because, more important than Jesus in the yeah, Catholic Church. That's, well, okay. that's, that's touching on, on interesting territory. In fact, because let me, the let fact me that you have, you have a lot of Christians who have problems with Catholics specifically for worshiping idols because of worshiping It's not sites. idol worship at all. We don't. We don't. It, that's not how yeah. Catholics see it, but that's how Christians see it. So Some Christians would see it, yeah. yes. Well, let me rephrase. It's yeah. not so much that it's more important than Jesus, but that saint, yeah. in terms of the amount of time and attention given to it's devoted to is considerably more so if you're a catholic who's going to mass every sunday and arguably every day you're you're devoting equal amount of time to jesus too but i just want to make that clear but you probably include your saint in your daily prayers yes and it's a very important part yes there are some cults within catholicism that Ooh. do honor saints very 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 heavily those are not the official of course teachings of the church but they are not necessarily they're called heterodoxy they are they're not shunned but they're not official either the pope's like going it's 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 a little but it's so we have a go with it okay (laughs) (laughs) just don't take it to any and that's that's really touchy because i mean well and also christ is christ is part of god and the holy spirit like they are all one right yeah the The, holy trinity exactly the the holy trinity is one so it would practically be impossible to <laughs> to yeah. overdo that. In fact, let me ask you guys a question. Who is the head of the Catholic Church? God. Yes. Jesus Christ is what is what they will answer. Yes. Yeah. Jesus Jesus is the head of the Catholic Church. The Pope is his human figurehead. That's all it is. He's so some I mean, I, I know I bring it up in every episode, but the symbolism and the connection with Egypt here is just blowing my mind. I mean when you <laughs> No, I'm serious. You look at the Pope, it looks exactly like Osiris. You know, the, the pointed hat and the everything. The pointed hat and everything. And the connection between, you know, loaves and fishes and the connection with the Osiris and fish and, and, and bread and the consumption, all of that was essentially yeah. like, taking communion in many ways. Uh, it keeps blowing my mind. There's just more and more connections all the time, it seems like. They're probably, you know, cross-cultural parallel development or indirect connections. But uh, well, I mean, it, the Egyptians, of course, traded heavily with this part of the world. So it and Mark went to Egypt and spent yeah. a lot of time there. And Jesus yeah. went to Egypt and spent a lot of time there. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's... Well, and there's parallels within, like, Egyptian mythology and, um, you know, stuff that's been said in the Bible, especially about Revelation. So. Sure. I mean, look at the Pharaoh, right? What you just said, which kind of triggered that in my mind. Yeah. The Pharaoh was considered to be the living version of Osiris, if you will, his son, Horus, right? Which was the next logical step to Osiris. When you died, you became Osiris. And that was kind of the hierarchy of the gods. And you were playing that out on Earth. It's very similar to what you had just said, and that the Pope is kind of the physical manifestation of God on Earth. I didn't say that. Oh, okay. No, well, no that's no. what I understand. That is a very, no, no, very... No, no, yeah. he's, he's a... The, the a Pope mo- is a man. Pope can sin. He is but, a moral representation of what the yeah. Church stands for. He is what we call the, the Vicar of Christ. So he stands in for Christ, but he is not Christ. He is not... Okay, but he, so, but he is assuming, in many ways the role of Christ and what Christ did on earth. In the sense of forgiveness. And, in the sense of in the sense and, of preaching the gospel. In the yeah. sense of yeah. And there's a really important part when the Pope says Mass, any bishop in the church takes off their mitre when they proclaim the gospel. Why? Because even an apostle learns from the from the gospel, right? And so it's we have to understand that the Pope now is not a monarch. He is a very humble servant of God, yeah. who just happens to be entrusted with a very important role in the church. But that hasn't always been the case. Of course not. No, not at all. The has, Pope, in fact, been a monarch. Yes, indeed. In uh, the Papal States, of course, right? The Pope had uh, a large part of Italy uh, and some other parts as well. So why don't you go ahead and tell me then about the beginning of, of the papacy, like, okay. and how, so, that, how that developed. How that developed. Okay, so as the church progressed, um, it wasn't until St. Ignatius... Of Antioch established the official hierarchy of <laughs> why are you laughing? You think of the, the holy, holy hand grenade of Antioch. Antioch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Continue. so it wasn't it wasn't until Saint Ignatius of Antioch uh, determined that for the church to survive against the persecution of the Romans, that they adopt a hierarchy, just like the Roman military had a hierarchy. So that's where they adopted deacon, priest, bishop. And then when Constantine legitimized Christianity as the official religion of the Roman Empire and established, uh, and then of course the Council of Nicaea in 325 established all the official doctrine of the church, 
that we call that now post-congregation when everything became very Catholic (laughs) in that sense. A lot of uh, other offshoots of Christianity didn't quite make it. That still exists, by the way. Uh, The Coptic Church is a good example Mm -hmm. of this in Egypt. They're more close to the Eastern Orthodoxy now, but they have practices that the church just didn't approve of, so they didn't allow for it. The big one is there wasn't an official schism in the church until, I think, the year 1084? But um, it was that there were pretty much five major cities that were they considered, these were the father, quote-unquote, the father churches of the entire church. And they were Rome, Constantinople, Alexandria, of course, in Egypt, uh, where the Coptic Church resides today, Jerusalem, and Athens, I believe, was the, the last one. So pretty much all the five major cultural hubs of the Mediterranean world were the five hubs of the church. And uh, they were all considered popes. They were all considered patriarchs because they were all fathers. That's what the word pope means. It means father, right? And everyone just started calling, well, uh, this is the Pope of Alexandria. This is the Pope Mm. of Athens. This is the Pope of Constantinople. And then the Pope said, well, wait, 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 uh, hang on a second. No, I'm I'm the Pope. I'm the Pope. You guys are bishops, but I'm the Pope. I'm the Holy Father. Why? Because I'm the successor of St. Peter. My, My apostolic succession which is what they called the tracing bishop by bishop backwards can trace back to St. Yeah. Peter, the, the original head of the church. And this is when they start to acknowledge that Peter was a pope. Because in the Catholic Church, he is considered the first pope, even though he wasn't nominally, there was no such thing as a pope when he was leading the church at that time. And for those who don't know, he was appointed by? Jesus there himself, <laughs> exactly. The rock on which I shall hold my church. Simon, you are now Peter, yes. So, I am really showing my Catholic a yeah, lot. You sure are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm showing just how religious I am not. It's okay. It's okay. So, I'm waiting um, for you to bust out the rosary right now. <laughs> I, I don't have one, actually. You don't? No, I don't have one. Well, no, it's, that's true. I have one. I just don't know where it is. I have one. Yeah. Where is it? Probably hidden where my crucifix Mine? is. Yeah. So, uh, it's in a memory box. Oh, I thought you had it with you. No, no, no. <laughs> no. For protection. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just keep it around. Yeah, we're um, going to run into a vampire. Because it's exactly. Exactly. It's exactly what you need for vampires, zombies. Uh, I don't think zo- it works no. with zombies. Clowns. Clowns, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Clowns and mimes are terrified of the rosary. <laughs> That's why you don't that see out. them anywhere in or near the Vatican City. They're not no, there. They, they're repelled it's, instantly. It's actually true. Yeah. It's very, very true. Yeah. If you throw holy water on a clown, it will melt. <laughs> the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Can we somehow figure out a way to make that the title for the show? <laughs> You throw the water on a clown and it'll melt. <laughs> no, I'm thinking the price, the, the power of Christ compels you. Honk, honk. <laughs> you know, we used to have a friend who uh, who carried around um, holy water and holy salt and holy oil. Oh in yeah, his car. Oh, I, I know, I know which friend you're talking about. Yeah. He was he was way more Catholic than I than I am now. Is he really? He was I, he was close to becoming a priest than I was. And I mentioned about this in the show that I almost I was very close to becoming. I thought I thought to his, considering wasn't his priesthood. mom Jewish? Um, she was. Mm. She became Catholic. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, oh, Peter. Peter, right. So, um, it was at this point when, interestingly enough, it coincides with the political tensions within the Roman Empire as well, right? We had Rome at one hub, and we have Constantinople at the other hub. Just an interesting parallel. Just want to throw that out there. Not to, not a direct connection at all. But, basically, uh, the, there was a lot of people who were following the Patriarch of Constantinople, who they called, you know, the Pope, and then the Bishop of Rome. So they said, well, okay, you know what? We're just going to go our separate ways. We are still considered you the church. You are still considered a valid church, but we're going to follow the Pope. We're going to follow the Bishop of Rome. And then the church is split into the, the Roman Catholic Church and the the Eastern Orthodox Church. It used to be called the Greek Orthodox Church because everything was based out of uh, the Mass was said in Greek. In fact, mm. in many places it still is. Usually it's in the language. Yeah, of the that church, the Orthodox Church is far less regimented as it is the Roman Catholic Church. Um, the Patriarch of Constantinople, Bartholomew the First, I believe, is the current one. He doesn't have as much power as the Pope does. We see the Pope as kind of the supreme governor of the Church, and what he says goes pretty much. You know, he can be infallible on certain things. He can't be infallible on everything. Yeah, like he can't say, let's start murdering people. That would obviously no, go against everything. And he, and he can't everything. even say, and he has to actually declare a statement to be as infallible for it to be infallible. He just can't, anything he says about morals and ethics or religion or anything like that, he, it's not everything he says is infallible. He has to declare it ex cathedra, meaning from the throne. 
that this is for all faithful to abide by. And I am saying this in my role as the successor of Peter, that you must do this. It's only been declared, infallibility has only been declared like a few times. And it's also only been officialized since 1870 in Vatican Mm -hmm. I. So it's not, but it was largely viewed for years before that the Pope was, was infallible. So anyway, tangent. Great schism. The Great Schism. So Bartholomew I isn't that supreme head. He's considered the first among equals. He can advise and he can recommend, but he, he cannot dictate to other patriarchs. That's interesting. You know, I don't know, I don't, don't really know anything about the, the Eastern Orthodox Church, really. In some ways, it's more liberal. In some ways, it's much more conservative mm-hmm. than the... Uh, the Catholic Church. Interestingly enough, there was a, a uh, I, don't, I can't remember his name unfortunately, but there was an Orthodox patriarch who advised that maybe we should start looking into making women as deacons in the same way that men are deacons hmm. now. That was a big deal. Yeah. Very big deal. And this is you know, a few years ago. Maybe I want to say up to 10 years ago. Did they succeed? Or are women allowed I don't, to be deacons? I don't know. I don't mm. know. But either way, it can't be considered church-wide because that's under his authority as the patriarch of that right. that region. In um, that, what they call, um, they call bishops metropolitans in that, I don't know what they call the patriarch. I guess it's just patriarch. Uh, of the, That's basically what an archbishop would be like in the Roman Catholic Church. But women can, can't women be priests, well, reverends or whatever with like the Episcopalian Church? and Which is more recent, yes. Yeah. And the Episcopal Church, of course, broke off because of King Henry VIII declaring so. Um, otherwise, they kept almost the exact same religion. And yeah, it's it's very similar, but it's significantly more liberal as far as i'm concerned they've been more they've been more progressive yes they've definitely been more progressive um there are some churches though that don't ordain women yeah who won't even ordain married men mm. um as priests so we kind of think it as commonplace so that's that they're more they're more relaxed yeah church and uh, a lot of those more conservative i, I think that depends on on the parish like specifically exactly I, well, it depends know, on the bishop of the, that diocese yeah, yeah i know one who's um well i know a man who's a who's an episcopal reverend mm-hmm. and he's married um, yeah, and he's you know got kids, and, and stuff, you can say so. reverend, you can call them priests as well. I mean, they, they that's yeah. a, that's the function they serve. He goes, um, by, he goes by reverend. He goes by reverend. Yeah, well, so reverend do, Paul. So do Catholic priests too. Their official title is reverend, but oh, they don't. Yeah, yeah. But we call them father as more of an informal because mm-hmm. they are the father of our congregation. Yeah, right. It's it's a same formalized term, and the bishop is a most reverend is the the most reverend, so and so of that area. So that was the schism. That's why we have two different churches. I'm talking a lot this episode. That's okay. Please do, because I know practically nothing on the topic. However, <laughs> however, I do have a few contributions. So, I'm supposed to stump you, remember? I've been yes. telling you yeah, all that. Yeah, I want to hear some good papel factoids. Oh, stump the Catholic It's really chunk. hard, though, with this guy knows everything. Which pope had only been pope for three days before he died? And by many, is not even considered to be a pope. They've considered him not to be part of it. Because he was only, only around three for three days. See, this is where you're going to win right on the first question because I actually can't yes! name I can't name the Pope. I'm familiar with the Pope, but I just can't remember the, the name of the Pope. Stephen the Second, technically. Stephen now, Pope Stephen Pope Stephen so, Pope Steve, huh? Pope Stevie boy. So um, <laughs> Pope Stephen the Second only lived for three days. Was immediately succeeded by a Pope Stephen the <laughs> Third. And there are many who say, well, then he shouldn't be called Pope Stephen the Third because Pope Stephen the Second doesn't really count because he was only around for three days. So they yeah. should call him Pope Stephen the well, Second. Hey, so there was a coronation. Very important days. This is well. This is an important time too, where after the conclave and even after you've given your first blessing, there's a coronation that makes it official that you are the Pope. That wasn't the coronation wasn't done away with until Pope Paul the Sixth, post Vatican II. So uh, that makes sense. I mean, I, I understand. I understand why they said that. Okay, which Pope? directly followed his brother to the papacy? I don't know. I don't know. This is a joint question in many regards, because it's actually Pope Paul I, St. Paul I, who was the brother of, you guessed it. Pope Paul II. No, Stephen III. Really? really? Yeah. Interesting. So this this pope who came just after the short-lived pope had a brother who who preceded him right afterwards. They were both bishops, huh? Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, of course, keep in mind, this is at a time in a church, this is in and around like 700 or 800 Yeah, so this is a time where AD. bishops and can still be um, can still be married. Yeah, and in fact, there were children. many popes who were married and had children, mm-hmm. and it's very strange to think of it now, but that yeah, was a couple when, of popes when, where when they were the son of existing popes, too. Yeah. Um, that wasn't done officially away until the Council of Trent, I believe, uh, which was largely in response to the Protestant Reformation. But um, it was done away with not for doctrinal reasons, and they even acknowledged that it was a disciplinary 
thing. Oh, okay. The reason was because uh, based on the laws of the land, when you became a priest, you issued land. And uh, there were many priests who were getting married, having children, dying. And the laws of the land dictate that your son gets your land. Well, the yeah. church was losing land, basically. Yeah. Uh. So... Um, so it wasn't like keep it in your pants and focus on the teachings of Christ? No, that's what it's nope. con- that's been conceived of today, but it, celibacy has nothing to do. I mean, t- celibacy literally means without marriage. Ah. It doesn't mean without sex. But, of course, in the Catholic view of sexuality, you have to be married to have sex. So There you go. None for you. <laughs> right. No sex for you. Um, how about uh, the first pope to be assassinated? Ooh. See, I, I think you're going to win on all these questions. Cause I, Thank you, Internet. <laughs> Because I didn't know any of this off the top of my head. Yeah. But uh, Pope John VIII was not only poisoned, but then beaten to death. What? <laughs> yeah. By whom? By the conspirators. No one was ever brought to, uh, to That's justice, horrible. so to speak. I'm dying, I'm dying. Help me, I'm getting poisoned. Oh, oh I'll help you, all right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're finished. <laughs> Again, this is quite a long time ago, but, you know, these things did happen. Well, I mean, and it's, it's a very political position the yeah. position itself is very rooted in history sure i was just gonna say i'm glad you took it there yeah, because i have uh, another factoid that is not very fun at all okay um 1555 do we know what pope paul the fourth is known for this is quite awful uh it's just being the there's some pretty awful popes like there were some popes who did some pretty ranks up things. there what'd he do he is was, this when he murdered? Did he commit like a brutal murder of somebody? I don't believe so. This is the one who who created the first precedent for Jewish ghettos in oh. Europe. Who who created a Jewish ghetto in Rome that then became the the archetype for other Jewish ghettos that sprung up and continued to spring up for over four hundred years oh, in Europe. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, and he forced this is this is awful, but you know he he forced the the men to wear a yellow hat and the women to wear yellow veils. You know, signifying That's that they were terrible. they were Jewish, and you know you can't help but draw the parallel to Hitler. Yeah, of course. And the forcing of the Jews to wear Hitler yellow stars. stars. So I mean, yeah. well, I, I mean, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying that just to yeah. be, you know. Well, I mean, Hitler was playing off of anti-Semitism that was very well dip, deeply rooted yeah. Yeah. in European culture there at you that go. point in time, and there's, this is the sign of it right there. There's your root right there. Yeah. That's crazy. Very interesting because I have a church right down the street from my house, St. Leo's, St. Leo the First, also the first Pope known as the Great. Okay, so St. Leo the Great. Yes. Also, um, the, the most, there have been the most popes named Leo as well. Oh, really? I was yes. going to ask you that. Okay, yeah. you answered that for me already. Ha-ha! <laughs> One. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think your score is significantly higher than mine right now. <laughs> Leo and Attila the Hun apparently had a bit of a sit-down and convinced Attila the Hun to stop invading Italy. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. This was in 452, and Attila was invading Italy, and they kept sending... You know, people to, to go and try to negotiate a peace with him, and nothing worked until uh, Pope Leo came over. And we don't know why. Nothing is detailed exactly as to what just the like, meeting was. Hey, Attila, no. <laughs> just stop it. Attila, no. What, it's what, a bad Attila, no. <laughs> what authority do you have? I'm the freaking Pope. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine, that's a pretty good What does that mean? Do you know who Jesus is? Yeah, I heard of him. Yeah, I. I, I, I got that guy on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people speculate that he probably offered him, you know, money, like gold or things of that nature, but nobody knows exactly. But the Pope went and negotiated peace. Or threatened him with eternal damnation? <laughs> I don't think Attila the Hun was quite concerned with that. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I think his reputation kind of speaks for itself. <laughs> Good old Attila. Sounds like Nutella, though, which is delicious. <laughs> which is completely, totally... Not to be totally, confused with. <laughs> not to be confused by hey, any... kids, <laughs> do you want your protein and do you like history? Well, you'll like Nutella the Hun. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a commercial we need to make. Hotel <laughs> of the Hun. Oh, that's great. Um. Conquer your toast with hazelnut. <laughs> <laughs> only, use a sharp, only use a sharp knife when spreading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It's an amazing catchphrase. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Let's see here. Okay, and... Uh, 1159, Alexander III was the first lawyer to be elected pope, interestingly enough. Didn't know lawyers could be popes. Apparently they can. I guess so. They're actually lawyers who specialize in canonical... Sorry, let me say it again. You can actually get a degree in canon law when you Mm. go to a Catholic law school. I guess that's kind of cool. I suppose there's a lot of stuff you have to negotiate around that. Well, yeah, for example, annulment. 
Did you know that's a pretty yeah uh, advanced legal process within the Catholic Church? You need to actually have an, a Catholic attorney yeah. who is very wow. well, who has a degree in canon law to work on your behalf. So, you know, that's really interesting because I, I mean, going back to, I guess, the, the Nicene Creed then is um, is when, you know, a lot of doctrines and stuff like that were taken out of the Bible or like there were books and things that were... Yeah, the Council left. of Nicaea is where everything became officialized, where yeah. the, the Gospels, the four Gospels we know of today were the ones that were the official ones. All the books that we know of in the Bible became the Bible. Yeah. There was no formal Bible at that right, point, right? right. Yeah, it but all the, happened. But there were things that were not included. Right. There were, there were about up to 10 major Gospels. There were much more than that. But there were about 10 other ones. The big ones were like by the other apostles. Philip, Peter had a Gospel that didn't get included, mostly because it was largely anti-Semitic. There's ones that were written by the followers of Mary Magdalene. Now, do we still have? But do we still have those? Like, are they there do still exist. records? They are still in records. It is also. Is that something that a canon lawyer would? Nope, because it's considered heresy to read them. So oh, really, yeah. So, Interesting. So you um, would not be reading those. No. There's also the more famous one recently, the Gospel According to Judas Iscariot. <gasps> There's a gospel according to Judas? Yeah, or s- allegedly there's a okay, book that was you know, published this is on horrible. it. There's a lot of debate over the yeah. authenticity of that. Yeah, this exactly. is horrible, but I really want to read those. Yeah. Why is that horrible? I don't know. I Okay, because because the part of me that is, you know, that does still have some roots in the Catholic Church, like if... I was curious about what, what was left I out. I want to know what was left out, and I would... I would feel a little twinge of guilt if I'm reading something that's considered yeah. heresy to be read, but that's considered heresy by by man, not I by... I would feel thrilled. By the not, church. Yeah, not by not by the divine. So I, so I suppose I could be comfortable with that, guys, but then again... Have you guys seen the movie Dogma? Yes. yes. I yes. love... Oh Amazing my God, movie. that is the, my the favorite line, Kevin Smith The movie. line that the two angels have in that movie, Yeah. right? Church laws are fallible because they're made by man, but mm-hmm. then Bartleby counters with what? One of the last sacred things issued to Peter, the first pope by the Son of Man, God, before he left, was all the laws you hold true on earth, I shall hold true in heaven. Thus yeah. empowering the pope to create dogmatic law. This is, of course, whether you choose to believe it or not, but what the church, what the pope has issued infallibly is what God will adhere to, or well, what, if, what God is honoring. If the law can change so easily, then why not have such reformation? Well, because God doesn't change his mind that much. Let's just say that. <laughs> but if he's basing it on what we're basing it on, then exactly. he has to. And that's the point. And that's why I'm, I'm not as Catholic as I, as I sound like I am, because I'm in favor of a lot more progressive movements in the church than what are considered to be orthodox or to be considered non-heretical right. <laughs> at this point in time. So, Well, let's talk a little bit about the Pope these days, because things have changed. And Quite a bit, yeah. obviously, a uh, couple of recent popes have really kind of, I'm going to say challenged things, but have definitely mixed things up a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really started with John Twenty-third. That was, well, not even him, Pius XII was a, was a pretty big one, too. So what was Pius's big contributions? Well, he declared that, hey, if you're a married couple and you want to have sex and you're not doing it to have kids, that's okay. Yay! Of course, he wasn't Aww. texting now, so that's, <laughs> I made it sound like that. Um, that was a big deal. It was a huge deal because before that, the teaching of sexuality was, it is solely for the purpose of procreation and if you took pleasure from it you should go to confession because you're not supposed to well that sucks yeah not fun yeah well, good so the, thing so, that changed <laughs> so you know they were just like hey sex is okay as, as long as you're married you know yeah. well that's kind of one of the things where people were like the church really says that we shouldn't do it but we just won't tell them yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it was because it was based in love right that was that was their yeah. teaching and if god is love then why, why would god view this as such a as such a bad thing and it's not Right. Sex of, you know, your neighbor's wife, prostitutes, things like that. That's bad. Yes. But, you know, if you guys are in a committed relationship and you're married, go for it. Of course, now most Catholics look at it like, if we're in a committed relationship, then we're just committed, so let's just do it anyway, whether we're married or not. And that will probably never change on the church's official position, but uh, you never know. There could be a pope out no. there who says it. Uh, pre-marital, no. You're right, you're right. But, premarital fornication? No, but, you know... There have definitely been plenty of priests who have who looked the other way. 200 years from now, they may say that sex with love is okay. Sex for lust is not. And that might be enough. And then we'll just leave it at that. And they won't define marriage. Do you say, how, how long you say? Two, 200 years? Okay, 2,000 years. Who knows? I that, mean, that's a little more. Yeah, that's probably a little bit more, more like, like that. You yeah. never know. Because, I mean, the church look, changes very slowly. Well, look at John Paul I. John Paul I, who this, also known as that September Pope. Because huh, he was the only Pope for a month. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, until he mysteriously died. Mysteriously. mysteriously. We talked about mysteriously our conspiracy died. theories we episode. Yeah. But Pope John Paul I did a lot of things very differently. You know, being the first pope in over a thousand years to refuse to be crowned 
mm-hmm. with the Pope's tiara. He just said he just said the inaugural mass will be enough. Yeah, Pope Paul VI started that, but he was the one who was like, no. Yeah, and would refuse to be carried around on the shoulders of others. Right, was a, a person who had a lot of ideas. Of course, we don't really know entirely because they never fully manifested. Yeah, he was going. He was really going to continue the work of Vatican II. Yeah, that, that was one of the things he said that he was going to do. And then he was then found died. dead in his bedroom, sitting up. Of an uh, apparent heart attack. Of an apparent heart attack. That's crazy. Yeah. The, um, you know, I heard, I did hear something, like, I don't know, it was kind of general gossip, I guess, about... Um, gossip? Sorry. I know. About uh, Pope Benedict stepping down because of political pressure. Mm-hmm. Oh, because he might have been implicated in the death of John Paul I? Oh really? I haven't heard that part. I just oh, heard that it was. I just yeah. heard. I heard a lot of political. Pressure. There is some interesting. We talked about this in our conspiracy theories yeah. episode, right? Yeah, there is some people who believe that he was somehow involved. See, I don't think it was that. I just thought because I mean, I guess the Pope. Ultimately, it feels like the the general consensus from other people I've heard is that the Pope itself is not really all that powerful, and he kind of gets told what to do by a lot of other people. I don't know. That's kind of true with a lot of symbolic monarchs, but... I don't know. I mean, just based on the recent history of popes, Mm -hmm. I mean, that may have been true, certainly, and points during the papal history, but I I see people like John Paul I and II, Mm -hmm. who were dominating forces in the Catholic Church. Yes. Uh, well, John Paul II for sure. Yeah, and so it's it's hard for me to necessarily see that, but why not? I mean, the Pope is a man, remember? And so, yeah. Yeah. you know, just like uh, the President of the United States, you know, yeah, there are all certain are things that are very political about the role of Pope. Um, I will acknowledge that. And yes, there are there is lots of politics that take place within the, Vat- the Vatican. Yes. Being pressured to resign, I don't know about that one, but it's interesting. I don't think it's... No, no I think it was his choice to resign... But I think it was as a result of. The I would role. just say it would be from the pressures of him being the Pope. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's a very demanding number on you. Pope John Paul was up for it. He, unfortunately, his body was, was fighting him the whole time because of his Parkinson's disease, and, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which just got worse and worse in the past couple of years. But mentally, he was 100% sure. there, you sure, know, and that. spiritually 100% there. And he was also, you know, a Pope for quite a long time 26 years. That's a long third, time for a Pope. The third longest Pope, yeah. Because uh, generally, think, they do come to the position and an advanced yeah. age. Which is why it's funny because we say that he hasn't been Pope for that long, but that's actually... Eight years is pretty normal. It's actually pretty close because the average reign of a Pope is like a decade, oh. I think. Uh, Benedict is the 266th Pope, I think? I 65th, I thought. I thought that was John Paul. The second. I, thought, I thought Paul was the 64th. I could be wrong. Yeah. One of us is right. Okay. Just accept that, listeners. One of us is right. Off and it's probably one is not right. that big of a deal. <laughs> not that big of a deal. <laughs> It um, is to me. Shall we look it up? Well, while you're doing that, um, I want to highlight... Is he, is he is the 265th Pope? Yes. Ah, well. <laughs> I sit corrected. Yes. Thank you. We are about to have the 266th Pope very shortly, uh, because there's no need for the 15-day mourning period, which is the interregnum period of the church. No need for it. So, we're going to have a conclave March 1st. Boom. Pope. Snap. I mean, I've heard theories even stating that, that Benedict may be stepping down to ensure that he has a successor that he approves to be the next pope. Do so you think he's actually going to have a conclave while he's still pope? That'd be I don't think he'll have it while he's pope, but he is staying around in Rome, and he's staying very close to Rome. He's not going off and becoming a monk and becoming a hermit. He is staying close and being involved in the whole process that's going on in the Vatican. Well, he can't I, vote, that's for sure. Because well, he's, he's vote, above the age true. of 80. But like you know, Sarah was saying... You don't necessarily have to vote to be influential. You can be influential and influence the other votes. Well, there's a lot of people who believe that regardless... I mean, here's the thing. The majority of the cardinals who are in the College of Cardinals right now were handpicked by Ratzinger. Whether he was Pope or not, they were handpicked. John Paul gave the seal of approval, but he handpicked a lot of them. So they're going to share a lot of his ideology Mm. and a lot of his, his doctrine, doctrinal beliefs. We'll see, you know. Maybe someone will shake things up. We'll see. Maybe we'll help Brian the first. We'll see. So, why don't we go back and, and talk about what the um, more recent popes have done? Those like notable. Um, so, that. Pius the twelfth, right? That was a big one, mm-hmm. right? John the twenty third was another big one because he initiated Vatican II. Very huge, big deal. Huge deal. He didn't see it through, unfortunately. In the middle of Vatican II, he passed away. So they had to have a conclave in the middle of an ecumenical council, which is interesting because all the bishops go to Rome. Or go to wherever they they decide to hold the the council. Just so happens they decided to hold it at the Vatican. It made sense mm-hmm. at the time, so they had to hold a, vat, a conclave mid council, 
and then it was Pope Paul VI who concluded Vatican II, who closed it. It was for several years. It was because you have to review everything, you know? Right. And of course, you know, JP II, who was absolutely beloved by so many people in the world, yeah. particularly in the Latin world, you know, he was a pope who, who was very well-traveled, mm-hmm. who took advantage of the, the, the most-traveled pope. Most-traveled. Took advantage of modern technology and, and being able to, to get out there and be among the people. Well, he was an actor first before he became a priest. And he was not Italian born. No, no he, was he, was, first he was the first non-Italian Polish. pope in 400 years. And the first Polish pope, I believe. First Polish, first Slavic pope, actually, period. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. And, you know, here's somebody who survives an assassination attempt, goes and forgives the assassin... And then drives around in what is arguably the coolest car in human history. Because of that. We because know of the that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Amazing man. Amazing man. Yeah, he was, a po- he was an actor and he was a poet, too. He actually wrote a play while he was Pope. Oh, really? He did. There's a play. You can, I can't remember what it's called, unfortunately, but he wrote a play. That's cool. Yeah, by Pope John Paul II. It's pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, who knows? We'll see in about a month from now uh, who our next Pope yeah. shall be. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned that he was the first Polish pope, too. There was that old joke that they used to say, I'll believe that when the pope is Polish. And you can't say that anymore because look what happened. You know what? I think I figured it out. I think I figured out why he's stepping down. He, he he's what? afraid of hammers. What? What? When the pope dies. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody goes over to him with a hammer and hits him on the head. Yeah, so to when make sure pope, he's dead. To declare a pope is dead. So what happens is when the pope is found not moving, they declare him by his baptism name a few times, and yes, they 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 don't hit him hard. You have to. It makes it sound like they're going. <laughs> yeah, no, he's dead. <laughs> you sure you didn't just kill him? <laughs> no, no, he was definitely dead beforehand. <laughs> definitely dead beforehand. No, um, they they tap him on the head. Yeah, with they a hammer. tap him on it with a silver hammer. Oh it's a really gosh. nice looking hammer. Yeah, and I think it's three times. It, basically, if he moves, they know he's they know he's not dead. But if he um. If he doesn't move, then they declare. They actually have to take the ring off of it, because the ring is made for each individual pope. They must take the ring, and they must break it apart. Because that ring is what's used to seal papal documents. So it's a really, really important... Do they use the same hammer? Uh, Ooh, good question. I want to say no. but Probably not. Based on the picture I've seen of the hammer, it's kind of a dinky hammer. I mean... Yeah, but it's also gold, pure gold. So the gold seals... No, the the ring is gold. So it's... Pretty valuable. soft. I think they melt it down and they do another one oh. from it. So oh, interesting. Now, to end this, what does the Pope do when he's got to go to the doctor? There's a doctor for the Pope. Pope has a doctor. So why isn't the Pope doctor? I'm curious why you're asking what happens when the Pope has to go to confession. Oh. Yeah, who hears the Pope's confession? I guess he probably has to confess straight to, to Christ himself in prayer. No. no, he does not. There is a person in the church who has the distinction of hearing his confession. Oh. And it is, in fact, the superior general of the Jesuit order. Oh. Is superior the, general. Superior, it's a cool title, isn't it? That is a cool title. He's the only Jesuit who is allowed to have white vestments. Hmm. Because it's the Dominicans who wear white. That was that was where the Pope got his white vestments from. So they wear them, but he's the only Jesuit who's allowed to have white vestments. Interesting. And when the Pope has sinned, he calls the superior general because the Jesuits, of course, have a very deep loyalty to the Pope. Right. And technically, technically, any other person who has the right to hear confession can hear the Pope's confession. It's not like there's you're, you're zeroed out for some reason. A bishop can hear, a priest can hear a bishop's confession. But this is just versa. the guy whose job it is to do it. Exactly. Must be a really well-respected person. Yeah. And the superior general is elected within his own, within the Jesuit order, too. It's a very Really? Impo- That's very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. If I were to ever become a priest, I would be a Jesuit. Because what they stand for, what they believe in, is very close to my worldview. So... I have a lot of respect for the Jesuits. I was married by a former Jesuit. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Came full circle on that one. I like it. <laughs> well, folks, this has been fascinating. I, I've learned a lot. And it's nice to kind of have it all laid out in front of you, because I, I don't think I've ever really taken the time to sit down and learn about the Pope. I've always accepted that there's just a Pope, and I, I've never really known why. And it is yeah. great to kind of hear it all all out in front of us. So thank yeah. you, Brian. Your, you're your wealth of knowledge is extremely impressive. Yeah. I wish that we had more time to talk about lots of fun things, uh, like how do you become a saint? That's more about Catholicism. We'll talk about that maybe in another episode. Ooh, yeah, that'd be kind of cool to, um, to hear about. I forgot to mention, too, that the, the name of the superior general, his unofficial name is the Black Pope. Interesting. Because all the other Jesuits were black. But anyway, so thank you for giving me a chance to take the departure from away from the pharaohs for a moment and talk about 
Oh, the pharaohs shall return. Uh, the pharaohs will return definitely in our next week's episode. Stay tuned. Same nerd channel, same nerd time. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And it was fun. I hope you guys... I felt like I was just talking a lot. So hopefully you guys well, found you it were. interesting. And that's good. Because you're the authority on the subject. <laughs> I'm hardly an authority, but I appreciate the sentiment. Thank in you. this room, sir, you are Pope. What? That's, Seriously? That's a little weird. Yeah. Do yeah. I get a big hat? Yeah, but you have to be named Spock the First. Does the hat have cable, like we talked about? It does. The hat does have cable. <laughs> does it have cable? Yep. And it's got pay-per-view now. But you don't have to pay for it because you're the Pope. I'll do it. Except <laughs> <laughs> though. <laughs> so Sarah, says. my dear, thank you so much for hey. joining us today. Thanks for letting me hang out. Yeah. Absolutely. Always welcome. You know that. Yep. yep. Uh, good, sir. I shall see you next week. Absolutely. And of course, for our followers, if you haven't, you can always follow us on our Twitter, right? At Nerdonomy. And please check out our website, nerdonomy.com. Tons of cool ways for us to communicate and follow us. Check out our blog, all that neat stuff. And folks, of course, as we always say, don't take our word for it. Um, a lot of what we talked about is on Wikipedia, is on the Catholic Encyclopedia we've talked about many times at newadvent.org. Uh, if you're looking for something more official. And watch closely your news, because... In the coming days, you're going to see history unfold. All right. Will do. Thank cool. you very much, folks. Have a wonderful week, folks. Bye-bye. Bye.